Well, everybody ready today? Ready to get into some stuff? I'd like to welcome my wife back to the stage, helping me preach again this week. And uh, we, we started a, a, a series for this month called Marriage Matters. And uh, we want to get after that a little bit more today and talk about some things. Um, I did read about this one individual who, this husband who, um, after um, he we had when he went to the doctor and had a checkup, and uh, this lady, this woman was was called into his wife was called into the doctor's office afterward. And the doctor told her, "Your husband has a has a very serious disease, and uh, there are several." key things that you'll have to do for him or he's certainly going to die. In the morning, he said, uh, fix him a healthy breakfast, be pleasant to him, make him a nutritious lunch for work, and especially be uh, have a really nice meal for, for dinner. And uh, don't try to give him any chores or that will increase his stress. He told her, don't focus on your problems either. Don't discuss your problems with him. Uh, Try to relax him in the evening by wearing lingerie and giving him back rubs. (laughs) Let him watch his favorite sports on TV. And uh, also, of course, intimacy will be necessary several times per week to satisfy his every whim. And he told her, if you'll do these things for the next ten months to a year... I think he'll pull through. So on the way home, the husband asked his wife, what did the doctor tell you when you went in there? She said, you're going to (laughs) die. Hallelujah. (laughs) If you have your Bible with you, turn to Mark chapter 10. Last week we were sharing with you about the specific subject of commitment. Remember, for as long as we both shall live. And we, we saw that that built into a marriage commitment, a true marriage commitment, is the potential for a long-lasting relationship. And it's how God designed it. Marriage was never supposed to take place without that commitment. A long-term committed relationship between a man and a woman is set. The stage is set when they commit to each other for the rest of their lives. Okay? And, uh, and today, we want to we wanna go into another area. And today, we want to we talk about uh, cooperation. Or I like to say it slow and call it cooperation. All right? We're talking about teamwork in marriage. We're talking about working together. And, and we recognize that... That, that the marriage relationship is not uh, two individuals doing things on their own with their own mentality and ways. It is about two people coming together. And this creates uh, what would be called a mystery in Scripture. But it, it creates this union where there are no longer two but one. This is what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 7. He's quoting Genesis, of course, which gives credence to the book of Genesis and the, 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 the creation account, of course, because Jesus believed it and he was raised from the dead. Uh, verse 7, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, 
They are no longer two, but one flesh. Okay, and so, like I said, this is the great mystery of marriage, and and there's no there's no doubt that when a when a couple is married, that there are still two bodies, still two minds, still two personalities. There's still two people there. Uh, you don't lose your indiv- individuality in, in in that sense. But what we need to um, come to grips with and have our mind renewed to is not the two factor, because we know about that. We know about that from living our lives as singles prior to marriage. What we have to adjust and where our minds need to be renewed in order to have a successful marriage is to get our thinking wrapped around the one concept. Okay, We're not functioning as two, we're functioning as one. Jesus said in this one very real sense, you are no longer two, now you are one. So, you know, what does that mean? How does that play out in everyday life? And if we can get a, a grasp of that and understand it, we have just way up the odds for us to li- have a successful, happy relationship with each other. Okay, so uh, if this is not learned, it's going to be very difficult to do this God thing called marriage. When two people marry, they're giving up, they're surrendering their right to independent living. All right. Now, many people know this verse from, from Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. It poses a question. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Okay. And the answer to that, of course, is no. But I want you to think about that for a moment. When it says, can two walk together? We're not talking about existing together. Agreement does not, that, that's not the purpose of agreement, so we can just exist together and, and, and live together in that regard, but walk together implies we're going somewhere. If you're going to accomplish anything in life, if you're going to uh, reach any goals and fulfill any dreams, if you're going to do something together as husband and wife, there has to be agreement. If you're not doing anything, then that's not really agreement. We agree to ignore each other and just kind of live in the same house. And No, it is a agreement and it is together. Everybody say together. together. So we're not talking about apart. Well, I got my life and I got, she has her life. And I have my bank account and she has her bank account. And, she, and I have this and, she, and I have my job and I, she has her job. No, that's not marriage. Okay, that's not together. That's separate. Everybody okay? We want to focus on and get our minds wrapped around and think together. We want to think team. We want to think we're in this together. Okay? And so, uh, we're not talking about living separate lives. Yeah, and we see the proverbial couple where the husband devotes all his time and energy and all his investment into his career. And the wife, generally speaking, will devote all of her time, energy, attention to their kids and you get involved in PTA and you get involved in what the kids are involved in and the husband thinks, well, the wife's got that covered so I don't need to focus on that and so what ends up happening is you have two people going this way and um, one's doing their thing, the other one's doing their thing and right now they have something keeping them together, their common commonality, the kids, but then when the kids grow up and leave the home, then pretty soon they, they're like here and here and they, there's nothing in between. They don't meet in the middle at all anymore. Yeah, we've seen some situations in recent years where couples have been married for 
a pretty lengthy time, you know, like 30 plus years. And at that point, all of a sudden their relationship goes awry and they split up and get divorced. And I think, you know, I imagine there's some, some in that situation here. And of course, obviously we're not here to, to make anyone feel bad about what has happened. We want to see where we can go from here. That's right. But for those who have been married for a, a lesser period of time, you know, those that you know that ended up in that place, uh, they didn't plan that. They didn't set out for that to happen. But what we need to do is make sure we have the components in place and the mentality in place and even the, the practical things, the application of this in place so that whatever stage of life we're in, first few years of marriage and later on and even decades down the road where we still have agreement, we still have the commonality, we're still a team working and doing life together, not just two people that have the same last name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'd like to share a scripture with you, another one, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, in verse 10, it says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And so if that's true for the church, which is who he's speaking to, it's certainly true for a smaller group. It's certainly true for your family. And if it's true for your family, it's true for your marriage. And so we need to have a common goal. We need to be speaking the same things. We need to be unified in what we're saying and what we're doing. And so, um, you know, we were thinking about some couples that we've known who... um, Well, I guess I should preface that a little bit first by saying that, you know, sometimes we have decisions to make in marriage, a lot of decisions to make, and um, you can come to the table, a husband and wife, with differing opinions, differing ideas, differing wants or, you know, different information, and you might not agree on something, but there is a point at which a course of action has to be set. So you have to at least agree on what you're going to do about this situation. And so we know these couples. There's two that we can think of for sure. There's probably more if we sat down and brainstormed a little bit. But um, they both moved to one city from another city, basically from another state. So they moved across the country. So at some point they both decided, hey, let's move across the country. You know, one of them didn't pack the other one into the U-Haul and tie him up and move. So they both agreed that they're going to move. But in both situations, one of the spouses was incredibly unhappy in the city that they were in and everyone knew it. And so um, my Meaning point is... Meaning we knew it. Yeah, we knew it. We shouldn't know it. We shouldn't have this illustration. Right. It's true. And my point in saying that is if they were really in agreement, if they were really a team, if they were really saying the same thing, the disagreement should have ended at basically the bedroom door. Nobody outside of their circle should have known that one person disagreed with the decision. But but the thing is about that, they did agree to move. Absolutely, yes. And once a decision like that is, is made, people need to stay with it. They do. I mean, you come to, to come together, and this is what we're going to do. Once well, once that's done, I don't think there's any more discussion about that. Right. Just people just asking for trouble. Hallelujah. Let me read some verses. You can turn there with me if you'd like. 
from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. These scriptures don't deal directly with marriage, but most certainly you can see the application here. It deals with the benefits of having more than one person in a a relationship. It it reads in verse 9, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we often think about this type of verse and and discuss these principles when, when entering into marriage and, and encouraging singles, hey, if you want to be married, it's a good thing, it's a God thing, it's better, it's two or better than one, and we state some of the advantages uh, that, that we can read here in the Scripture. But I want to point out uh, what might be an obvious to anyone who's ever been in a relationship, that there's another potential, okay? You know what else you can do when there's more than one? You can fight, because you can't do it when there's just one. You can disagree, right? You can, uh, when there's more than one, people can be hurt. Someone can take advantage of the other one, take from them. Those are also the, uh, the, the possibilities. So when we speak about the benefits of a, of a marital relationship, obviously it is premised on the fact that they have to be working together. It cannot be I'm doing my thing, she's doing her thing. I've got my goals, she's got her goals. I've got the things I want to accomplish in life. And No, no, no. It has to be us. It has to be, like Jesus said, you're no longer two, you're one. If we don't see that oneness, that one factor, we're going to do things different. And sometimes we're going to run into each other. And sometimes we're just going to be split apart. We must grasp one. Okay, and so this is where uh, we we think about again the aspect of a team. If we're on a team, if if I win, she wins. If she wins, I win. If she loses, I lose. If I lose, she loses. Why? Same team, right? If you're on a baseball team, basketball team, how I many know one player doesn't walk out, walk out of there and says, "I won." My team lost, but I won. No, if you're on the team, they lost, you lost. So there is absolutely no advantage to me trying to, uh, you know, get the upper hand to, uh, to, to get my ways, my, 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 my stuff taken care of if, if she's not. Does, does that make sense? How many know on a basketball team, you're not going to have one superstar and four lousy players and then be a championship team. You have to have all five people on the court working together. That's the only way you win. That's the only way you're truly good. If I'm going to have a good life, she's, she's got to be involved. If she's going to have a good life, I've got to have a good life. Does that make sense? I can't have that. I'm, we're married now. Been for a while. I can't have that good life without her. If she is unhappy and unfulfilled and, and her life is, you know, if she doesn't have a good relationship with God, and everything, that all affects me and, and, and vice versa. Again, 
not two, one. This is the way it is these days, okay? So we want to give you a few tips, all right? I call this, uh, we call this tips for teamwork, all right? Ready for some teamwork tips? Talking about working together, all right? The first one is to know your role. And we talked last week about not getting our information about commitment from the world, but I, I beg you, beg you, beg you, do not get your information about marital roles from the world, from society. Because God was the creator of marriage. You know, sometimes you buy a new appliance, and um, I don't like to read manuals. I'm probably there's other people that don't like to read manuals, but sometimes it's beneficial to read the manual because you can dream up a way that the appliance works, but it's not going to work that way because it's only going to work the way it was intended to be used. And so marriage is the same way, and we have the instruction manual, and so if we submit to God's way of making it work, it will work. And so um, we just want to encourage you to find out what God says about your role in the relationship. What does the word say about being a husband? What does the word say about being a wife? And uh, the, the first place that we would encourage you to look is in Ephesians 5 because there are some great, um, uh, great words to us as husbands and wives in that chapter. But if you um, really dig, there's a lot that the word has to say. Yeah, and one of the tendencies, of course, whenever you do that, is to major on what your spouse, your spouse is supposed to do, right? To memorize that and make sure they know it. You know, the Bible says that you are to do this. And how many know that's a <laughs> recipe for disaster right there? Forget about what your spouse is supposed to do. Concentrate on what you're supposed to do. When you understand your role, your obligation, your... Uh, you know, character, what you're, how you're supposed to treat your, your spouse. That's the only thing you can change. Right? Mm-hmm. Come on, does anybody, does that make sense to anybody? I mean, we all know what, husbands all know what the, if you've been a Christian for very long at all, you know what the Bible says to your wife. <laughs> Wives, if you've been a Christian very long, you know what the Bible has to say about your husband and how he's supposed to treat you. You do? All right, forget about it now. And stay, stay, stay with your part. I mean, we're, we're, we're running plays here, and you've got to be in your spot at the right time. Yeah. When that football comes, to, comes uh, you, you know, flying through the air, you've got to be on that spot. And you turn around, it's going to be there. If you're thinking about everyone else, you're not going to be doing your part. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, so not only know your role, but secondly, number two, it, it, I call this take one for the team. All right, take one for the team. There is a lot in marriage that we need to be willing to give up in order for team success. Growing up, I, I, I loved to play baseball. And I loved to hit. I mean, if I could hit all nine times, <laughs> I'll just be the designated hitter. But for everybody. <laughs> you know, lo- 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 loved, loved to get up to bat. You know what I hit? One of the things I hated is walking. It's almost as bad as striking out. <laughs> Why? But well, just because, uh, you know, that was my opportunity. I wanted to hit the ball. I loved the way it felt when you when you connected and hit it just right. I want to hit it as far as I can. I want to hit the ball. I don't want to walk. I don't want some pitcher throwing me a bunch of stuff that I can't hit. You know what? You know what my motivation in that is? Anybody know? Selfishness. 
Because how many know, if I'm on base, that helps the team. Right, but I just personally didn't want to do it. So, so you, what do you have to do to be a part, to be a good teammate? You have to put the team's wins above your own personal wins and satisfaction. Okay, and so uh, you know we could talk about a lot of things in marriage. Sometimes, you know, a husband may give up getting that new truck. Why? Because well, we need to take that money and put that project off and. Maybe your wife needs to go on a trip to see her mom at a critical time. One person gives up, so the other person, uh, you know, gets something. Um, I think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when, when one person in the family is living large while others are doing without. Okay? Sometimes someone says, well, I've been praying about this, and this is, this is God's answer to me. God's providing this for me. Well, hold on. Maybe He is. But not if everyone else is suffering in the family. Not if the kids need this and your spouse needs this and, and it's of great, a greater need and yours is more of a, a fulfilled desire. That's not God answering that. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's just a different mentality. One is thinking of things as, as I'm achieving my goals. Another is saying we're a team. I don't win unless she wins. She doesn't win unless I win. We win together, we lose together. There's another pitfall to be careful of too, and that's, well, he got this, so I'm going to justify this expense. You know, he got that new truck, so I'm going to buy, I'm going to go see my mom. Whatever, you know, justifying it because one person got it, so I should get what I want. And that's a real quick way to destroy your marriage with debt. Yeah, yeah. So so consider, uh, what, what can you... Give up. What can you what what can you take? How can you take one for the team? All right. You may temporarily lose out on something, but the marriage is stronger. The family relationship gets better. You go. Okay. Number three. First, we want to know our role. We want to take one for the team, and then we want to communicate often. And um, you know that is constant communication. Where where are you going? Where how long will you be there? What's your schedule with work? What's um, what are your passwords to some of your online accounts or all of your online accounts? Um, keeping information from one another is a cause for speculation. It's a cause for doubt. The talk. Sure, yeah. And so anytime you come across somebody who's not real forthcoming, don't you always wonder, what are they hiding? I mean, really, all of us have met those people. Well, you don't want to be that way with your spouse. I mean, you want to, they want they need to know where you're going. If you're traveling for work, you know, they need to know your airline information, your hotel information, your, who you're, who's going to be there. You know, be just up front, sharing all those little details and information with one another. And now you've closed the door to any room that the devil might have had to whisper in your ear, maybe they're not being faithful. Maybe they're hiding something from you. Well, if there's, everything's out in the open, there's not much that can be hidden, so. Yeah. And you think about it back in the, in the sports arena, um, you know, what do teams do? They have to constantly be talking. They're talk, co- constantly communicating with each other uh, on the field. And they're, they're letting the other players know, that, do this, go here, I'm going to be here doing this. They're talking. How many outs? How many this? What's going on? And if they're constantly communicating, they have less chance of making mistakes, mm-hmm. less chance of error. You know, uh, we, we know, we know a family where, uh, you know, they were, they were going, it's a bad situation, they're going through a divorce, but... Um, 
outcomes in their divorce proceedings that the husband owns all kinds of property and, and, and homes and different things in another state. She never knew about it. I mean, how, how, how weird is that? You know? I'm not talking about, hey, I'm some multinational corporation and there's assets all over and you couldn't really wrap your minds around. I'm talking about he just had these properties he owned and he kept separate and no one, he wouldn't, didn't even tell his, his, his wife about them. That's weird. I mean, even, watch, even Jesus, when he was about to go, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Mm-hmm. He said, there are many mansions in my father's house. If we're not so, I'd have told you. What? He said, I'd have told you uh, this. He's open. He said, I'm going. He said, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. That's the way the Lord treats the church. Mm-hmm. All right. He is the husbandman. We are the bride of Christ. He communicates with us. He lets us know where he is. He lets us know what lets us know what, what what's what's happening. And so, uh, again, we ought to take a cue from that. You know, if you're going out, talk. Mm-hmm. Husbands, let your wife know where you're going to be. Not in some weird kind of illegalistic way where it's just every moment, every second of the day. Think anything can be taken to an extreme, but communicate. What? No, I'm nothing. I'm just, I was thinking about that weird legalistic way of, you know, well, my mind just started writing schedules for every minute of minute, my day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was your point. Number four. Number four is uh, personal goals need to be second to team goals. Okay, personal goals need to take a second place, need to be backseat to team goals. Is it all right for me to have personal goals in my life? Absolutely. Should, you know, uh, for her as well. But they're always secondary. I'm not going to exalt my uh, my goals and so forth above what's going to help the family, what's going to help our relationship. Nowadays in in life, we're making decisions constantly in families and marriages about Who's going to do what? Who's going to do this task? Who's going to do what? Who's going to, you know, handle finances here? Who's going to handle some of this home stuff over here and the kids stuff over here? Who's going to handle that? Listen, I think, for example, in a situation where a husband and a wife are both working a full-time job, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the husband just to expect his wife to do all the traditional wife jobs. See... They need, we, we, need to work, we need to work things out in each situation. Is that goal of me not having to do that, does that hurt or help the, the, the team? Because we have to win together. All right? We either win together. I'm going to say that. keep saying that. We win together or we lose together. It's not my, it's not my job. I just want to get her to, to act a certain way. I just want to get her to do that. No, no. If she doesn't win too, I don't win. Amen. So, really, a lot of this comes down to some basic principles that marriage is not about me. If you're married, it's not about you. It's what we say around here in church. It's not about me. It's about the, it's about the other person. It's about the lost person. I want to do whatever I can to make their life better. Marriage is not about me. In my case, it needs to be about her. If it's not about her, it's going to be about me. And how many know that is just the exact opposite of love? Mm-hmm. True love. God love. Agape love. That's the exact opposite. 
Okay, that's 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 self-centeredness. The great the greatest hindrance in marriage and in relationships is selfishness. It is the greatest hindrance. Mm-hmm. It is the top. And listen, it doesn't do any good when I say that to, for anyone to nod and say yes. That's who I'm married to. Selfish. Now it might be true. Totally might be true, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good to spend much time thinking about how you're married to a selfish person. Why? Because it doesn't get fixed that way. Right. They don't change that way. They don't change because you call them selfish. So what do I do? Well, the scriptural example is that we love first. The scriptural example for a woman who, who is married to an unsaved dude is for her to win him over by her matter of, li- matter of life, manner of life, her conduct. Okay, so it is about using the love of God and going all all in and being selfless in that regard. But if a person is always me, 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 I want this and I need this, and don't you know that I need these things from you? And and how many understand? If it might be true, you might feel that way, but that's opposite of what makes a marriage work. It's completely contrasting to what, uh, to, to way these things are supposed to be. You remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5? It says, love does not seek its own. What does true love do? It seeks the good of others. Seeks the well-being of your spouse in this situation. And so a bad marriage will never become a good one by constantly reminding your husband, reminding your wife of what they do wrong. Hallelujah. Sure got quiet in here today. <laughs> but, I mean, have you ever thought about just asking your spouse questions like, hey, what, what can I do uh, better? What can I do more often that will make your life happier? Instead of demanding, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, and why don't you just turn it around and forget about what they need to do and say, is there anything I could do? Is there anything I could do more often? Is there anything I could do better It would just make your life happier? I mean, it's a thought. It's a humble thought, isn't it? So what if they tell me something I don't want to hear? They probably will. But again, if she wins, you win. If she's happier, have you ever heard that, that, that statement? Um, that, 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 uh, it's a quote, I forget, I don't know where it originated from, but the measure of a man is seen by the countenance on his wife. How do, you, how do I tell that I'm a success? In life, how do I tell that I'm a I'm a real man that I'm doing a good job? Look at her. Smile, please. <laughs> See, <laughs> you were you were frowning pretty good right at the wrong time. <laughs> but again, see that's a. <laughs> That, that's, the, that's the mindset of we're together. We're a team. I'm not just seeking my own happiness in life. I'm not, I didn't just get married so I'll be fulfilled. So I'll have someone to give me offspring. You know, so I'll have someone to help me out in different, different things in life. I, I'm married to help make another person's life better than it was alone. I'm the, the two for her. That's better than one. I'm that addition. And if I, could, if I could set my goal and my focus on that, man, I'm setting, my, watch, I'm setting myself up for success. I'm setting myself up for happiness. Okay? So, 
jump in anytime you want. Well, it, it's the kingdom principle of laying down your life or lo- losing your life to gain your life. It's that, that, that principle of, well, I put myself aside, and in the end, I benefit. Right. So marriage is about the person you love, their wants, their needs, their hopes, their dreams. Selfishness demands, what's in it for me? While love asks, what can I give? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you, just think about it for a moment now, husbands, wives, have you made your spouse happy today? Have you done anything? I, I don't mean, I don't mean, you haven't made me happy today. Do you hear the preacher? He said, you're supposed to make me happy. That is not what I said. That's what the flesh will do. It'll flip this thing around, upside down on its head, and it'll start demanding. It'll start requiring. You need to do this for me. You, have, you heard what he said. You have to do this for me. You missed the message. Please rewind and watch again. I said, can you think of a way where you can do something that makes their life better today. Yeah. Isn't that a better mindset? Yeah. Because when they win, you win. Mm-hmm. If they don't win, you don't win. If you lose, they lose. If they lose, you lose. So what's your game plan? Don't think of your life and your marriage as trying to get your other person, the, the, the other person to change. Don't think of your marriage as, man, I just really, I just really got to figure out a way to get them to do what they're supposed to do. That's a futile effort right there. It, re- it really is. What can you do to help the team win? Mm-hmm. What can you do to help the team win? Do you need to take some walks, even though you wanted to hit that ball over the fence? Walk's as good as a run. Walk is not as good as a run. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says Ty goes to the runner, right? But what can you do to help the team win? And I think if we think of these of, of this stuff in 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 these terms, it, it'll help us tremendously. Someone might might say, "Well, what about you know submission and authority in marriage? What about I'm the head and my of my home? And doesn't that mean anything? It does mean anything. We t- we encourage you to study out the roles, and that's not our topic today. But but really, when someone is the head of their home, they have a greater opportunity to influence it in a proper way. And that's not by everything being about them. Mm-hmm. No head of a home, a family, uh, no head of a corporation, no head of anything. If it's all about my personal well-being, that company, that family, it's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. That leader has to be looking out for uh, the needs of the whole. And let's win together. Let's succeed together because we will not succeed independent of each other. It just won't be that way. Amen.